What's up? What's up? Hey, guys. This is a quarantine episode of Beer Time with Books. We just got Danny on the line. Could you use the proper title, please? Uh, what's that? Quarantine with Books. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official chains for the foreseeable future. Um, we've been practicing good social isolation and so uh, we were supposed to do this podcast episode what four days ago yeah Mm -hmm. and we ended up deciding to delay and learn how to do this via facetime so danny is on the line on facetime (laughs) for this episode so thanks for joining us from your humble abode Welcome to my crib. Brian, can you make her full screen? Oh, you're going to full screen my face? Yeah. I want to see full screen Danny. Thank you. Full sc- I'm here. I'm full screening. <laughs> this is all... We figured out, we figured out landscape uh, FaceTime last a few days ago when we tested. <laughs> so we're really moving on up. Yeah, we're, we're just learning the ropes of everything. Um and we're doing it on the fly. But yeah, we're going to do uh, this episode from afar. Um, and we are doing our second book of the podcast, which was Jamie's Choice. Of the season, not of the podcast. Oh yeah, of the of second season, yeah. Yeah, so today we're talking about Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward. Um, but before we get to that, what's everybody drinking? Yeah, let's get into what everybody's drinking. I'll start. I uh, went to the liquor store today because I've been without alcohol for um, this entirety of the quarantining. Um, so I my quarantine, uh, went to the liquor store, went to Don's. Don's? It's by you guys. Um, and Don's, Sam's, I don't know. It's called something. <laughs> Some guy's no name. Idea. Is it on 39th? And I got, no, it's on Southwest Boulevard. Oh, okay, um, yeah. And um, I got some apple rattlers. Oh. Um, so I'm, it, you know, I went on a run today. It was sunny. I was feeling summery. Um, so I'm feeling rattlers. I'm having a boulevard apple and lemon rattler. It is the first day of spring officially today. Feeling springy. <laughs> so, and which that seems early to me isn't it normally like 21st or 22nd or something i saw that on twitter i'll, I'll have to maybe yeah, confirm that that's true i think it's i think it's 24 hours early this year or something 26 hours early this is year is it or because something. of leap day oh yeah it could be is it because of the coronavirus <laughs> yeah it's just everything is out of whack so uh cool i think that actually may be a first for the show too that that specific rattler keeping it fresh even this specific rattler, I think I maybe had the uh, the lemon one once um, last year. Yeah, around the same time, probably. Yeah, this may um, be the first for this apple, though. Oh, it's oh, it's great. This is great. <laughs> I've never had this before, so oh, really? <laughs> this is v good. I'm a fan. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of a nice mixture between a beer and a cider. I've had it. Yeah, ciders tend to be a little too sweet for me, um, so I am. Uh, Digging the Rattler life. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for mine here, this is Brian. I am doing a repeat from last time. I don't think I had this one. This was something that Danny had, but this is the Odell uh, Wolf Picker Experimental oh, IPA. Yeah. So uh, got that one still from the last episode. We still had some in the fridge because we haven't really made a significant run recently. Um, so, yeah, we're just rolling through that. Um, it's pretty good. Again, yeah, I was like talking. Give us, give us, give us a slurp on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. As I said before, the IPAs are are really killing it for me recently. So yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Nice. Um, this is Jamie. Hi. <laughs> so sorry. Um, this is Jamie. Stay over there. I'm drinking a a beer time with books classic. Uh, Boulevard Tank Seven. Yep, one of the. We, we love it. One I think of them. It's, it's the first time on the pod I've had the canned Tank Seven. So yeah, new new development. I need to, I've never had a Tank Seven on the pod, so that's next. Ooh. Really? How? Yeah. 
Wow. I don't think I've ever had a tank seven on the pod. So that was on the top of last season. For, I think, maybe that was mine. Yeah. Yeah, it was mine. Uh, yeah, it was. It was yours. Yeah. So cool. And with that, um, we'll also be getting into, let's try to keep this semi-condensed because obviously in quarantine, there's a lot of chance to consume more media than ever as we've been trying to every piece of media. Just stay inside. <laughs> so yeah, just like a couple highlights recently uh, of some media you've been consuming. I think this would be a good time also for anybody that's listening. Hope you all are uh, keeping it real out there, staying safe, but maybe a couple extra pieces of, of media to check out in the meantime while you're not listening to all the episodes of Beer Time with Books. Uh, yeah, listen to these before you listen to anything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with that, Danny, you can go ahead and, and share a couple highlights. Sure. Um, I have been watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, it has with with quarantine. Oh, yeah. It has taken me like seven minutes to get through the whole first two seasons. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like two episodes already into season three, which is the last season available. So um, I love that it. You really Every did season. fly through that. Yeah, I I flew through it. Also, considering that each episode is like fifty eight minutes long, and so mm-hmm. yeah. um, I've been going hard. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, uh, I love it. I love the fifties, New York vibe. I love the pastels. I love (laughs) the, you know, all of it besides the casual racism and misogyny. Um, you know, we don't, we don't love to see that, but um, everything else is great. I thought it was a little lighter at the beginning. It was almost like. That was one of the things that I found. It was almost of, like race agnostic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, I think the later seasons, they start to get into that a bit more. But at the beginning, that was something that I was kind of like, I wish I wished that they would have addressed it more. You know, and then they do later on. Yeah. You know, I actually was thinking about it. I'll keep this short. I was just thinking about it, though, because um, I, I saw some comments um, on the third season where people were talking about how they didn't appreciate that they hadn't really, like, talked much about, like racism or even they barely even like call out like blatant misogyny and uh, the only thing i i can think of um is that like in it reminds me of in schitt's creek um you know schitt's creek is has you know like one of the main characters is kind of like pansexual one of the uh you know there's a lot of just like kind of fluid things with gender and sexuality and they don't like, like they live in a small town. It's like a small country town, and they don't really address it. They kind of acknowledge, um, even outside of the show, that it's like uh, it's like kind of agnostic in that way. They wanted it. They wanted to create an environment where that like didn't really exist. But the difference is that like that show is present day, and like Mrs. Maisel is like it already happened. Right. Like it takes place in a time where that already happened, and so. Um, so yeah, I I think that they definitely like almost like as you get deeper into the show, they uh they address it a little more um uh a little more aggressively. Um but yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Um Yeah, we loved it. It's it, yeah. it's definitely some light light vibes for these dark times. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's been it's been good. It's been making me happy. I'm continuing to listen to review review which Jamie and also Brian, if you haven't listened to, uh <laughs> it's like I w- I can't listen to it on my runs anymore because I laugh too loud. I, like I laugh too hard. Like listening to these, out like, on the this trail, just bursting out, just like screaming with laughter. Um, it like makes me like lose my breath. Like I run out of breath. I don't have enough breath to laugh and also run. And so, uh, I recommend review review. Um, and uh, I also started uh, Wide Sargasso Sea, which I think we talked about on the last episode, but maybe I hadn't started reading yet. So I'm halfway through that. Um, yeah, lots of good, uh, lots of good content when you're <laughs> pooped up. Nice, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jamie, how about you? Um, I, what media haven't I consumed? <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I see. I'm like on spring break right now, as well as being socially isolated. So <laughs> I don't have anything to do other than consume media. Um, but. I listened to one audiobook um in like three days and I really loved it. It was called Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, I believe. Um and I really, really, really loved that. I highly, highly recommend it. It was funny and quirky and weird and I liked it a lot. Um and also there's like 
very subtle queer themes, which I appreciated. I don't know. I really loved it. Um, I appreciate a subtle queer theme. I love a subtle <laughs> queer theme. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe that. I think it was just, like, it was a novel that integrated, like, an LGBTQ character very, very naturally, which I think is good to acknowledge. Um and I just started reading The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Which, Danny, I think you've read that one. Oh, yeah. I think I've read all the Kazuo Ishiguro in your library. Yeah. Which I found out today we have four, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I read them all. And then I think I, read, I have a few from the library that I've also read. I went on a Ishiguro kick a few years ago. Yeah, I, I've read... Um, the Buried um, Giant, I love. It's very fantastical. And I love it. Yeah, I like it so far. Um, I've only read one other one by him, uh, which I cannot think of. In Never Let Me Go? Yes, Never Let Me Go. Yeah. I've read that one in a few years ago, and I loved it, which is why I bought a bunch of Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, but then I never picked them up, and now I'm stuck in my house. So I'm reading Very Giant. I'm two chapters in. I really like it. And I started a new audiobook also called The Sympathizer by Viet Tan... Uh, Nian. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Nguyen. Nguyen, maybe. Or when. Um, oh, when, maybe. Yeah. Maybe when. Um, which is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I've read, I've listened to one chapter of it, and I like it, but I feel like maybe I don't have enough historical knowledge to, like, fully grasp everything that's happening, because it's about the Vietnam War um and the Viet Cong like the main character is a spy and he's a sympathizer for communist the the Viet Cong and Cong in Vietnam during the war but he like works for the United States government kind of um I don't know I like it but I hope that I'll learn more as I go <laughs> um and that's that's about it Brian and I are still watching the crown yeah yeah, for, for mine, I finally finished a bunch of books that had just been kind of like sitting in a nebulous space uh, as far as I have been reading them for a long time, which freed me up then to start a couple new ones. So uh, I started an audiobook, All the King's Men by Robert Penn Warren, which is from the book mug, which we've talked about on the pod before. This is making more progress on one of the <laughs> books on the book mug. Danny's face as she's like, wait a second, because she's trying to finish Wait a minute, two. are you winning? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started that. Uh, I think... Wait, is All the King's Men Watergate? Uh, no, it's like a earlier... Um, earlier 20th century political novel from what i'm aware i barely started it but i think it's quite a bit earlier if i recall it's the 1930s but i i literally just started so i needed to i need to get a little bit deeper on that so what is the book i'm thinking of all right i'm gonna look for the book i'm thinking of <laughs> uh and then also jamie and i made a commitment yesterday to both start a physical book as well so i ended up picking up the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay <laughs> By, uh, Michael, by Michael Shaven. Have you, you read it? Tell me. No, I read uh, another one of his books. Okay, cool. I read, I read like that one's the most famous one, and I read another one that wasn't as famous, but I liked the other one. Yeah. Did you read the Yiddish Policeman's Unit? Or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Yiddish <laughs> Policeman's Union. Yes, I read it, and it was took me kind of a long time, but I really, really liked it. Okay. Yeah, this we have that one too. I just haven't. I started that one a long time ago and never finished it. Yeah. The uh, the book that I was thinking of was All the President's Men. Oh, okay, so it's <laughs> uh, it's which, close, which, which makes much more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, it's nice to have two more, and that one's a bit longer, but I'm thinking I'll have plenty of time to be sitting around and reading, so that'll be nice. And then also, just as a quick thing, I finally caught up to Time Crisis. <laughs> I mentioned this, like, a long time ago, and you guys keep having, like, podcasts that you guys are going deep on and have caught up, like, multiple, multiple episodes. Yeah. And so now I'm finally in the club of, like... Did it! Oh, uh, yeah. And, and what was so crazy is, like, of all the times to catch up, the most recent episode they did was on Sunday, and they did it in isolation, 
they didn't oh, go shit. into their regular studios. They all FaceTimed each other. And so, like, it was just so weird to catch up right then because it's so topical and they're talking about a lot of different things. And I'm not fully uh, done with the episode. I'm, I'm listening to it right now. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to get it from their perspective, too, from a different part of the country. And uh, they're, still, they're still trying to keep it light a little bit. But, like, just hearing the perspective of um, Ezra Koenig, the lead singer of Vampire Weekend, he's talking about how all this is affecting the music industry a little bit just because he's in that first hand of, like, show cancellations and festival cancellations. It's kind of crazy to hear. But, like, at the same time, you know, they're they're still trying to be entertaining and and give people like movies to um to watch and a lot of them they have older movies from like the 1940s and 50s that they're like these are crazy but this is a good time to dive deep in some of these because we just watched Casablanca and so it'll be nice to see a couple of those too but regardless that's been the main thing it's nice to finally catch up because you guys keep being like I'm on episode 100 of whatever (laughs) and so (laughs) so now uh, I'm finally finally in the club so with that it was a little bit of a longer media section but if anybody's looking for stuff in this uh, time of self-isolation hopefully you have a decent list of you got some wrecks (laughs) of a a couple extra things but uh, with that we're going to get into Uh, The book we uh, had mentioned earlier, this is the second book of the second season, and uh, this is Jamie's Choice. I'm going to pass it on over to her. All right. Hi, guys. Uh, Like we already said, we're reading Sing Unburied Sing. We've read half of it. I'm going to start with a quick summary of what we read. It's been a few days since I finished this because I finished it for planning to pot on Sunday. And now you've also read a couple other books. Yeah, I've been reading other things and so if I I forget something, fill it in. Um, But essentially we're following a family. We are in Mississippi, I'm pretty sure. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We're following a family. uh, The main narrator kind of uh is a 13 year old boy named jojo um and we get a lot of perspective from him and his mother leone i think is how i've been thinking of that um but it's kind of uh the main focus of the story is jojo's dad getting out of prison um so his dad's name is michael leone and michael are not married um and Leone and Michael are a mixed race couple. Um, so Jojo has grown up with the black side of his family with his mother. Um, and the white side of his family, Michael's parents don't really talk to him or don't like to associate with him. Um, or are potentially actively racist. I mean, definitely actively racist. Yeah. But, like, they they just kind of have distanced themselves, it seems. Like, yeah. they definitely don't like Leone. Um, and Jojo takes, or Leone takes Jojo and her daughter, um, Kayla or Michaela, depending on who you ask, uh, (laughs) up state to get their father out of prison. Um, which off the top of my head, I don't know if it's actually told he was arrested for making, for dealing drugs, right? Are we assuming that? Yeah. Yeah. They, they pass a, uh, well, yeah, I don't. Meh. I feel like it hasn't described <laughs> yeah, that actual meh. scene yet, where he no, gets arrested. Um, but there, Jojo alludes to it when yeah. there is like meth involved in one of the scenes, and he like alludes to Michael, his father, being Michael, right? Yeah, yeah right. being arrested for like selling drugs or doing drugs. Yes. Um. So that's like the main thing that's actually happening. Um. But there's a lot going on in between that. I think most of the story that. The narrators switch back and forth mostly between Jojo and Leone at this point. Um, But we're getting a lot of, like, inner workings of how this family is set up and also how how both of those characters have some kind of, like, seeing ability is how I'm going to refer to that. Um, So there are some... There's discussion of ghosts. Um, Leone's brother passed away when he was like 20 um and she sees him every time she gets high and he was he was killed by michael's cousin yeah 
um, yeah, that in was a, a very racist yeah. incident. Um, and his name's Given. So she sees Given. Um, and then also Jojo talks about a lot of different things. He starts to definitely see a ghost right at the end of the section that we read. Yeah, what a time to stop. We, we yeah. hit right when the ghost It's Yeah, somebody that his grandpa has talked about. Yeah. Um, but Jojo also talks about, like, being able to talk to animals, kind of, um, in, like, vague ways. So there's hints at him having some sort of ability as well throughout. Um, but I, at this point, I would say it's mostly about his relationship with his mother. Um, and in a road novel, they've been traveling yeah. quite a bit. And they've been traveling. And, yeah. So that's my summary, I guess. Um, so I want to start because we alluded to this in the last episode before any of us had started this, but do we see comparisons between this novel and As I Lay Dying? Um, and if so, what are they? Or do you think that maybe that's not an accurate portrayal comparison? I mean, I I think that, like, definitely on the surface, like, it is a family. They are traveling. Like, <laughs> very astute of me. <laughs> um, I mean, but, you know, it's, like, not just, like, the. I think the point is that the journey is important uh, in both stories. And the, and the journey of, like, the family together, like, changes them almost. Like, I think we're already seeing changes in, like, the way that um, JoJo is, like, um, observing the way that his mother is like not really a mother like he seems to already have acknowledged that but um he you know he has a lot of time to think about it and see that leone like really it doesn't take good care of him she feeds herself first always she really doesn't think of her kids at all ever and so um it is really interesting um you know i think that the the journey matters as much as the destination or actually even more which is which was the case with as i lay dying so um, I definitely see similarities in that way. Um, and also, I mean, I haven't thought about this um, too much, but it just occurred to me also that, you know, the mother in both stories is, you know, kind of the center um, in a way, uh, in very different ways. But, you know, like Leonie uh, and, um, and what is the mom's name in As I Lay Dying? I've already forgotten. Um, Addie. Addie. Addie, Addie. So, you know, Addie and Leonie, like, I don't think, um, you know, I think we could probably delve into the ways that they are similar. Maybe neither of them wanted to be mothers. Like, that was a whole thing. Um, but, you know, in that way, they're also not, um, they're, they're kind of the focus in different ways of the journeys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see some similarities. I don't, I don't know that I would pull those similarities out of a, like, I don't know that I would, you know, having read these not back to back and knowing this. I don't know that I would immediately be like, you know, this book really reminds me of Faulkner's As I Lay Dying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that you could absolutely. I mean, I think it's they're much more similar than other books are similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that like obviously the structural part of it, they're both Mississippi novels, and I think that it being uh, in the geography of the American South is an important factor to both. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's a big tie. And then, obviously, the the narrator switching around is, is a big tie. But it's interesting how much deeper of a perspective we get on each of these narrators at any given time. Because we had so much of these, like, shifts here, there, every single person in the novel, the townspeople, whatever. And in this one, it's very much more focused because we're just getting JoJo and Leone mainly yeah we we get into Richie at the end but I think the bulk of the the chapter so far have just been alternating between Jojo and Leone and they've been fairly long um but what has also been interesting is that you know you're, you're talking about this being a road novel and obviously As I Lay Dying was you know largely a road novel as well but it was just from this point A to point B aspect here where they were just trying to get Addie to the place that she had asked to be buried but here it seems like halfway through the book we've already reached that point mm -hmm. B which is adding an extra dynamic here because 
at the beginning, you know, just being cognizant of the fact that they're supposed to be somewhat similar, uh, that I thought the whole journey would be going to get Michael out of prison. Oh, that's that's interesting. But yeah, now we're we've already gotten Michael. He's come out, and the last perspective we get because the last chapter chapter we read was from the perspective of of somebody named Richie, which is a character that uh, the grandfather who. Uh, very importantly, Jojo calls Papa and he calls his grandma Mama and calls his parents by their names. But this was Papa's uh, acquaintance that he met at the jail that Michael is coming out of currently. Mm-hmm. But we only see Michael that brief moment when he comes out. We only just got to that. And that's a whole new uh, active perspective. So I think that's going to be really interesting of like, yeah, the comparisons are kind of largely over from that standpoint that you know we were expecting to at least i was go all the way to the jail and like maybe something happens when he gets out but he's out and and now it's kind of what's what's going on after that it's going to be a really interesting part of the back half yeah yeah i think that you could also though like that's interesting i don't know that i thought about it that way i don't know that i was like actively um, thinking that you know the uh, the destination was actually the jail. I was actually thinking that like the de- the the story like the destination is 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 like bringing him home from jail. Mm-hmm. So like their their journey there lasted three of these six chapters, and I'm fully expecting like I was kind of fully expecting the journey back to also be full of a lot of you know content, like a lot of uh, you know maybe the last four chapters are all are also you know like um transporting him back from prison so i don't know i i i mean maybe the entire book is going to be uh you know take place largely like in the car of jojo's like flashbacks and stories of pop and um stories of his father but i don't know i yeah i mean i hadn't thought about it like that but that's interesting yeah i am wondering if it's gonna continue to be a road novel in that case because like you said it was like it was like three of the six chapters or whatever because we did spend Mm -hmm. a significant time at home and getting flashbacks or whatever else and so in that sense it is kind of deviating a lot because i think there was a lot of exposition at the beginning of as i lay dying where they were waiting for a little bit till they go but yeah but now, like, I wonder if there's going to be a significant amount of time back home and how Michael kind of affects everyone's relationships now because obviously there's strain with his side of the family and then bringing him back in with mm-hmm. Papa and, and also their grandma mm-hmm. is actively dying. So, like... Yeah, that was a comparison <laughs> that I made dying. was that, like, Addie was the matriarch of the family and she was the one in the title as i lay dying mm-hmm. and also like mom i think it's just mom not mama okay so um i think he calls yeah, them M- M- ma'am yeah ma'am yeah yeah ma'am or mom or Sorry, I'm whatever coming um, up with these random- <laughs> <laughs> it's papa and mama obviously <laughs> uh, let's check the book <laughs> yeah. we've been starting other books we're, we're in a nebulous <laughs> place but yeah I, I think yeah it's definitely but, like she's the matriarch the of this family and she is she is dying and so maybe that will come up more later we haven't heard that much from her oh Um, yeah that is kind of interesting so i don't i don't know if that'll be important i do think that danny your point is interesting of like if we're comparing it as dying is a journey to bring addy somewhere and maybe this journey is to bring michael somewhere so maybe we're just starting it yeah (laughs) and yeah i mean and also but also that's really interesting like i hadn't i didn't think about it like that i wasn't thinking about i wasn't comparing man and addy comparing leone and and addy and so like but you're i mean i think in structurally actually like comparing addy and ma'am is like makes maybe that's what the person who compared these you know was going for because they are both uh the matriarchs who are dying but i was comparing i was comparing leone as the uh like the more present female character, I think. Ma'am is definitely, I, I think Leonie maybe, I don't know, maybe she's just front of mind for me. Um, but I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I, that's, yeah. yeah. And, and if these comparisons are starting to get more in line with that, now I'm really worried for Kayla as a comparison to Cash in uh, As I Lay Dying because Cash was, he, he had his broken leg. 
uh, and that was the issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and now <laughs> Kayla is, is sick, or we don't even know really what's going on, like, yeah, specifically. Yeah, she's been, like, the baby, she's, like, three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been, like, vomiting throughout the trip, so which now, is an interesting comparison to Cash breaking his leg. Yeah. Because that was something they were, sick. yeah, that's what they were dealing with the whole time was Cash yeah. on the ride, and now Kayla is also there, too. So I'm wondering, is, like, is Kayla going to have some permanent deficiency once this is all are over. they gonna we- put her in cement yeah who knows <laughs> they probably will i don't <laughs> yeah. I, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about kayla's sickness also being like just like a very um a very clear setup for showing like that leone is not like is is really not um not a great mother and like to be fair she she probably didn't want to be a mother maybe um, but I mean, she really, she has these like two kids and she really doesn't do a great job of taking care of them. Jojo actually like arguably is Kayla's main caretaker. Um, even more, you know, he, she, he is always the one that she is reaching for. Um, yeah. she usually doesn't want to go to her mom to be comforted. And, and then even further, like there's a point on the trip where Kayla keeps vomiting and Leonie tries to just give her Powerade and she keeps throwing up. Like it's, it's almost like excessive, like the number of times that they, that the author like brings up um, how often Kayla is vomiting. And then, um, then Leonie goes and forages for some kind of medicinal plants that she says her mom has taught her about. And Jojo straight up doesn't trust her. He won't, he makes Kayla throw them up um, yet again Mm -hmm. after Leonie gives them to Kayla. So, um, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, there's no, there's no trust really like, um, Kayla being so sick is, um, and, and, and Leonie really not having any idea what to even do about it is, um, is kind of alarming. And, uh, yeah. Also so she also was actively that- on meth while he was trying well, well, to get her yeah. to throw so, up. It's just like, so also yeah. Leonie doesn't know what she's doing and she is very much on meth while she's trying to take care of her daughter. Um, or, you know, barely so uh that's probably probably should have mentioned that first yeah it's it's not a great situation and yeah the the fact that that was happening that she was still okay with like leaving her sick daughter upstairs while they made this pit stop it's just it's crazy to think what could still happen yeah for the back half of this yeah i'm concerned yeah, I'd actually we'd like we've alluded to this a little bit, but I'd like to talk about just the characterization of our two main narrators of Jojo and Leone, um, because I found myself v- feeling very very conflicted throughout the majority of the novel. Like, obviously, I think that Jojo is our protagonist, um, but I also every single time. Every time that Jojo is narrating, I hate Leone. And then once Leone is narrating, I like really sympathize with her and for her because she's had a really difficult life as well and dealt with a lot of things like the death of her brother and just like a lot of racism, which a lot of the characters have dealt with. But I feel like falling in love with someone and then their family actively hating you because you're black is going to be very difficult. Um, and her just drug addiction anyway that yeah. like like obviously it's bad for her to be taking the drugs but also like there's instances of you know addiction to them that she's having to deal with in the meantime and like that's maybe affecting the rest of her interactions with anybody else mm-hmm. and like that's something to sympathize with even though it comes out in obviously shitty behavior yeah and I also feel like during her her stints of narration, she feels very like self-aware of that like she's a bad mother. It doesn't change her actions, but yeah, I do really. think that she recognizes it and like does yeah. feel bad in some way. So I don't know. Like what are, where are you at with that? That's that's actually part of the reason why I drew the similarity like between Addie and Leonie because like you know Addie goes through whether it's when she's in the coffin or beforehand I can't remember but she goes through kind of like you know and during her life like she goes through like an existential like just having kids and she doesn't really know why and so I feel like that was kind of um also you know she admitted to really not even like liking some of her kids and she didn't really like 
being a mother. Uh, and so part of the reason why I ended up drawing that conclusion was because drawing that, drawing that line was because, um, because <clears throat> Leonie also like, I don't think, do they explain like the circumstances? Did, I mean, she just like, she just was with Michael and she got pregnant twice. Is that like kind of the story as far as we know it? I assume, I feel like there was like an offhanded comment or something somewhere, but it hasn't gone into detail about them like trying to plan for a kid. I doubt right. that. I mean, I'm sure I, 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 I was just assuming that it was probably unplanned and also just like, um, you know, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of responsible birth control yeah. going on. And also, also like that probably like that's not even something that is accessible or reasonable. So I was just assuming that they were both pretty much unplanned but also that's kind of a wide you know that's 10 years in between having jojo and having kayla so we might find we'll probably find out more about those circumstances but um Mm -hmm. yeah i do absolutely sympathize with leone like hearing hearing everything from her point of view i mean makes you like uh you're right like it doesn't really change her actions but it does like make you understand like why she is the kind of person that she is why she's kind of mother that she is and um she probably thought that her her mom ma'am would take care of her kids better than she would and and they and she kind of does you know her her parents kind of do take care of her own kids better than she does and um so you know it might be just a combination of lack of interest in like being a mother also, I'm sure the meth doesn't help. Um, and <laughs> Interesting option. Also, <laughs> also the cocaine meth and weed kind of a and problem. a lot of other things. Right, yeah, right, right. I mean, right. So, like, I'm going to just posit that, like, that kind of heavy drug use, like, doesn't make you a better parent. Um, and so, <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that's kind of out there. Um, Danny, these takes. <laughs> <laughs> um but um, yeah, I, I I also feel that like reading um, reading from JoJo's point of view, you really really want to be furious with Leonie, and I, I think I continue to kind of be upset with her, but also like it's much it's much more understandable, um, and you and you do, really do sympathize and like feel bad because like you know she was kind of just brought. It sounds like she was just brought into the situation a little bit unwittingly, or maybe a lot unwittingly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I don't know, Brian. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see if there is more backstory with the time period that they had Kayla because one of the specific references that we did get was this comparison of time to Kayla being born and 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 growing up with Michael going to jail like mm-hmm. that was a that was a major point early on that Jojo kind of had in his mind yeah um and so I think that that will be something that I think will get a little bit more cleared up on because it does seem like Michael and Leone have these just wild fits of random passion uh, in either direction in, in, a, in a loving way and in a we're going to beat each other up kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that will be kind of interesting. But also uh, one of the things that caught my eye when Michael came into the car was that Michael was more concerned about Kayla than Leone was. And this was right off the bat. And it's not like this was something that's like, oh, Michael's parental instincts may be so much better. Like she straight up doesn't look good. She's been throwing up, can't keep anything down. And he notices. like, But, but at the very I mean, least, he did notice. Yeah. yeah. So, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how their parenting style is different as well. If if maybe it helps Leone to feel that more, because you know the the father of her children is also out of the picture. That's got to be a big stressor as well. And so, you know, I, I do definitely feel some sympathy for Leone, but like there is still something there that like I it's not totally excusable mm-hmm. either because she is just straight up hearing that her children or Jojo specifically saying that like he's hungry or thirsty or whatever. And she's just not allowing any moment for him to fulfill basic needs. Well, I actually think that like, I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think that she actually like, this might be just like a testament to her like immaturity, um, as like a person and as a mother, but like she like, it sounds like sometimes when she doesn't feed Jojo or she doesn't offer him things, 
um, she sounds jealous and resentful of him because yes, Kayla wants to, like, that we he even hear, there are times, like, when she's narrating that she, like, is mad that Kayla wants to, you know, she reaches to JoJo for, like, comfort, this, like, three-year-old who is her daughter, she doesn't reach for her mom, and, um, and so she, I think she feels rejected by Kayla, I think she feels rejected by JoJo, and she feels resentful of her 13-year-old son, who, like, seems to have kind of, like, more of a um, parental instinct kick in, you know, um, more than, like, she does. Um, and then also, just, like, an interesting, I don't know, I mean, you wouldn't know this unless you, like, saw it spelled out. Um, JoJo specifically calls Kayla, Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A, um, but she's named after her dad. Um, her, her name is spelled Michaela, like, mm-hmm. Michael. Um, and so, like, I mean, that was another, like, interesting layer of just kind of, like, like it, it had a little bit of meaning, um, you know, when, once you first learn that and then uh, once you learn, once you see the way that Michael is with his daughter, you know, like, we don't know that relationship yet. We don't know. Yeah, or, very, you know, very preliminary so far. Right. Um, or even, he, we don't he, really he, know how long Michael has been in jail. Like, does he know Michaela? It, it sounds like it. Well, it didn't sound like, like it, yeah majority of her life mm-hmm. uh, her three three years yeah. her back it's been three years um but i mean yeah I, I i was also actually interested in like the way that leone like just contra- like contrasting their uh their interactions with their kids like michael actually seemed a little bit deferential and like respectful almost you know like he kayla didn't really want to go to him and he was just kind of like, that's all right. She doesn't know me yet, you know? And yeah. it, it was, like, immediately, like, he was concerned about Kayla. And, like, I don't want to shit on Leonie's any more than we already have. But, like, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, it, uh, seeing that immediate difference of, you know, he comes out to the car. And I'm sure he was, like, missing his children. But, like, also had this connection with Kayla or wanted to have a connection with Kayla. And um, and was was very, didn't force anything. Was very, like, respectful to his, like, third you know three-year-old child um so i don't know i after I, making out with leone first though sorry, just to make that clear make that very passionate <laughs> um, that is not the first thing that he does uh, um but yeah, but yeah. It, it does it, it definitely is like a, an interesting point for that and the only thing i'm worried about now is that um you know michael obviously has had problems with drugs as well because it's related to his re or the reason he's in jail anyway and now he's going to be out and it's not like drugs are that uh out of the way mm-hmm. you know we've already had significant scenes of leone getting high on hard drugs yeah and and now and he's going to be back in that environment mostly through her friend misty who is right. also on this trip like right. is we, in yeah we, we barely talk about misty but yeah yeah misty also has a significant other that's in the same jail that michael is in so yeah. um but buddies but, but, yeah, right but for, for the last thing just as a very brief thing uh, on leone i will say like just these visions with given you'd have to assume she has a conscience and like, Mm -hmm. you know, we've already alluded to that a bit, but like the fact that he only appears whenever she gets high specifically, like that there, there's going to be a play there that, you know, she's not just like totally oblivious to her actions. Uh, It just may be hard in the circumstances that she's in to turn it around. But I do get worried about Michael coming back into the fold, especially when, you know, he may be acting nice now, having been away from the drug scene. But now that he's back, that seems to be a recipe for trouble. But who knows? He could be uh, a catalyst for good in the back half, hopefully. But, you know, know, it's hard to tell. Um, Okay. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, because I kept doing this throughout reading, and I don't know if this is me, I don't know, being ignorant, or just it's a different um, a different setting than I'm used to, but like the the narration, the story that we've heard so far spans like almost a hundred years like a long time a lot of pop talking about like his childhood and his time in the penitentiary and then also jojo's narration is current day like basically current day i i've been reading it as like 2016 or so um 
because there are modern references to like Powerade and whatever. But also the like race relations in Mississippi as they are describing them don't feel like they've changed that much. Like Leone makes a point to talk about like it's weird that she's friends with Misty because Misty is white and why would she be friends with me? Um, and obviously we see like Michael's family being very, very bigoted towards uh, Leone's family. And even Leone in the present day with her trying to deliver the letter that Michael's yeah. going to be released and her uh, or in Michael's dad. Oh, yeah. And her, Michael's dad gets like, a gun on his lawnmower. <laughs> just yeah. Like races yeah. to the front. Is, I don't know. Is that a is that a commentary specifically on Mississippi on this community? Is that again? Is that me being ignorant, living mostly in big cities? Is this like a smaller town where racism is so blatant? More, yeah, more actively apparent in the day to day. Because I've just I feel like every time I hear Leone talk about race, my mind goes back like to the 1950s. Like, that feels like how it is being told. Um, I don't know. Did you feel that same way? (laughs) Yeah, I actually, for like a while, realized that I was reading the book, even though I knew there were, you know, current references and I knew it was present day. Like, I was reading it like it was all, you know, like, like Pop's story was was part of this timeline or this timeline was part of pop story. Like I had to check myself and and remember that this was not the fifties, like that this was not. And, and I think partially that's like me, like as a white person reading this and like, and truly not like even I've never been to Mississippi. I have never been where they are. Like I, I, I can't like even, I don't really think start to imagine like how to identify um, or uh, understand um, so I, I was kind of though, after I realized that I was like starting to take Leone's kind of like word for it, you know, basically yeah. just being like, this is, you know, like this is batshit, but like, um, I think that's, I think that's the point. I think that's the commentary that Jasmine Ward is making that like, um, it's almost time, like racism is time agnostic. <laughs> like, um, you know, like, I mean, it's. Like it, I mean, I think that it, it comes out in a line like very different ways. Um, but even even like her, her father-in-law or whatever, Michael's dad, like coming at her with a shotgun on a tractor, like that is 2016. That is 1950. Like that is, you know, I don't know. It feels very um, like uh, like that's the point. Like it, like it, it, it's not supposed to. We're not being told necessarily what year it is in any of the cases. Um, I think because she's trying to. Uh, you know, make the point that, um, you know, things are, things are, are still that, that is, that is Leone's like reality. Um, That's kind of how I was reading it. Yeah. I I would say, I don't know if it's like a commentary on Mississippi broadly. And like, I don't know Mississippi that well either. Um, I've been in like similar parts, I suppose, but I think that like, it is just like an important telling that while it may not be like an indictment on broader Mississippi, just that pockets in communities all over still have some fostering of racist ill will toward others. I do think something that was particularly interesting though, is that, you know, I I think that this pocket is obviously very severe. Again, I don't know if it's, you know, trying to say that every single person in Mississippi is racist. Cause I don't believe yeah, that. I mean, no, that's sure, not what I was sure, saying. Sure, but, 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 but on this broad scale, like you can see that there were already tensions anyway, from the previous instance of like Michael's cousin shooting. Yeah. And so yeah. there's already tension there anyway, that's even carrying through, uh, the story as a whole. And, and even just some of like, these particular pockets with the jail, for instance, that just like some old habits die hard with, you know, how they organize the the labor in that prison and the deferential treatment of, of certain people over others. Like with the dogs, for instance, like they would only have uh, white people be in charge of the dogs, except for the brief moment uh, where, Pop where Pop had did it yeah. or had done it. But um, I, I think it is just like, 
trying to highlight that in certain instances the the recipe still is right even in the modern day mm-hmm. that that yeah. like this perfect storm can come up even if it was like tensions rose off of a drunken incident like that can carry waves past that because now you're you know you're talking about Leone coming up and uh Michael's dad reacting the way he did you know a, a lot of that i would assume is partially from that previous history anyway yeah um so like that's an interesting dichotomy to it too but just seeing that any of those smaller things can just like flare things up in in such an out of control way in a time where we think that uh, a lot of those um attitudes are are of the past but there's a lot of instances where um somewhat accidentally i'd say somewhat because there's still some definite um motive motive in that particular scene that it can flare things up um pretty easily um i think also another reason that i pointed specifically to mississippi is there's a note in the back of our copy of the book for book clubs in particular um but it talks about Mississippi State Penitentiary, also known as Parchman Farm, is still in use today and is the only maximum security prison for men in the state of Mississippi. And I feel like every time they talk about Parchman Farm, it like it's so reminiscent of slavery, which like prisons are a lot. But like working out in the field and picking things and doing that kind of hard labor. Um I don't know. I feel like it's just a, it is a modern day telling of racism that I haven't seen as much recently, Um, which is interesting. And it's like definitely part of the point of this novel. Like we're looking at Jojo, our main character, a mixed race kid living in this uh, um, bigotry, I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, definitely the past and present aspect of it allows that comparison to be more prevalent um, rather than just telling it from this standpoint only here in the present, uh, because especially in the penitentiary, that was something that even of its time when Pop was there was still seemingly... uh, carrying these overtones as you were mentioning of of slavery in the fields Mm -hmm. of these are prison inmates uh having to work the fields in um in the 20th century yeah which is which even that in and of itself was was kind of a bizarre scene to to take in um for that time period so i think that it is purposeful to do that but, you know, just alone that, you know, we have Jojo as a mixed race child um, and is still able with his grandparents to have some normality in their family life of, of calling them essentially like mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it shows the progress as well, but definitely seeing the comparison from past to present highlights the things that still need to work, which I think it's, it's done with a light touch Mm -hmm. in this case, because a lot of the focus still is on like the familial relations while you're getting this backstory into the other um, aspects that carry these um, racial themes. It is still focused on like a family story on the road. So I think that that's impressive that she's able to strike the balance of those tones in this story for sure yeah um and my last big thing i don't know how much time has passed um we could probably do final thoughts oh you want to do final thoughts yeah we're, we're about there okay um also as you're doing final thoughts if you want to touch base on like the magical realism element which we've talked about a little bit but like the ghosts we haven't we haven't even mentioned richie that much um who was the last chapter and it was short and we haven't learned that much about him but um we've read like quite a few magical realistic novels 
uh, for the pod. Uh, Lincoln and the Bardo, uh, 100 Years of Solitude, um, which I love. But I know that that really turns some people off. Um, I saw reviews on Goodreads where people were like, I was really into this book until she mentioned Ghost. And so, oh, what the that main, sounds like a, main part of the story? Yeah, that sounds like a very narrow way to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an interesting element, um, and I I think it's really well done. But um, while you're doing your final thoughts, if you want to talk about that, feel free. I don't care who starts. <laughs> yeah, I actually I um, didn't want to interrupt somebody earlier, but I um, we were talking about. Um, Leone actually like she sees she sees visions of her brother given um, when she gets high and I actually started to think like her mom you know told her when she was 13 or 14 like um, you know she explained to her that some like women in their family tend to have kind of like magical telepathic kind of like vision visions Mm -hmm. and and, um, abilities Um, and it actually seems to me that it skipped Leone and it actually goes straight to Jojo. Jojo is the one who seems to be the one who, you know, he sees, he sees Richie, right? Is Richie's yeah. a ghost, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Richie's so a ghost, for sure. That's I thought so. I started to second guess myself. Um, he sees Richie um, and, and actually like he kind of alludes to being able to talk to animals and he, he kind of, he has like a, a very interesting like relationship with like nature and animals um and even uh he seems to have a sixth sense like that involves kayla like he she's a child who can't explain why she's feeling bad and he's the only one who can make her feel better he ne- he almost like instinctively knows what she wants so i actually like took leone's um you know if we're trying to get really like deep into it um leone's abilities don't really seem like abilities to me they seem more like um, you know, she's, she's really having to like force, you know, she only sees given when she gets high, she like has to do like, you know, hard drugs to like see, um, to like see these visions and they like come very like naturally to Jojo. So I don't know. I was thinking a lot about that. Like just like yet another way that like Leonie might, might feel inadequate compared to Jojo or inadequate compared to her mom. I don't know if they speak about this kind of thing, but, um, even even with like gathering like the plants and the roots like um you know she said her mom taught her all of these things but also like she doesn't remember any of them and she doesn't actually seem to care that much and um or or you know like she didn't make the space she didn't have the space in her mind to to care about that kind of thing um but it just seems like it actually maybe like she's forcing this ability that she maybe doesn't even have and instead like jojo is the one who has it um and and I I mean to to that end also like I really I really enjoy like this kind of thing where it's almost like a little bit ambiguous, um, you know like it reminds me of One Hundred Years of Solitude um, because you know it's like a very normal sounding story but then there's just like one tiny like element of like mysticism thrown in and I really really enjoy that it makes it feel very um, it makes it feel very real to me um, and I also found myself thinking even about the Underground Railroad. Um, which we read last season and um, that was like you know it, it's not it's not really mystical but there is still you know everything is like very much real and the same and historical historically accurate um, except for the one element of the actual underground railroad it, it, it made me think of that too mm-hmm. um, that is the, that's like you know one of the things I was thinking about so um, I'm, I'm, I really enjoy it I hope that the back half of the book like explores the mysticism even further yeah, I, I definitely think uh, with that magical realism part of the story, um, just as I had mentioned with the the previous question, that you know it's such a light touch on the elements of racism. There's also a light touch with these elements of magical realism as well. That it, it, it's just helping to color in the overall story, which again is still centered. Uh, the way that I've felt it so far on this overall journey where it's not just focusing on like people having visions of ghosts. It's just kind of like, it's a side thing that's happening or here's these backstories to inform why everyone's reacting to each other, the way they are in this present moment on the road. A lot of it is all just to inform and give more complexity to something that could be 
a pretty boring tale of just, again, this A to B journey or A to B to A in this case, potentially, that it does help color it in. And it's just done so lightly that I don't know how people could uh, on Goodreads. It is. I mean, everybody has their own opinions on things, but it's not even that. You over... talked about a ghost. Once. <laughs> it's just like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's not it's not that overwhelming so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it, very, very subtle. Yeah. And so I like that all of those elements uh, are important to inform the story, but that it does still keep it within this main idea. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting on the back half because really with what we just got to, um, it's almost like we added two completely new characters because Michael was only alluded to in these flashbacks, but now he's there. And then our last chapter, Richie as a ghost is coming to Jojo and so, like, those are going to be huge factors that'll change a lot of what's going on mm-hmm. uh, in the back half. And so I'm curious to see how they affect the story, especially now that JoJo has something that's so real that, like, uh, you know, even though we've talked about the fact that these um, ghostly additions in the story uh, <laughs> were, were subtle at the same time they did have references where <laughs> we did have references where Leonie's at the table with her friends and, and is high and is still looking at this empty chair. So it's still yeah. affecting her in the real world. What's that going to do to Jojo in this case? And how is that going to play? in now that he has more uh, kind of scrutiny with both of his parents there now, like what will that be for them to see him react to something that's not there yeah. and especially with michael who still doesn't have uh you know we we're talking about he's not there for most of kayla's life like jojo's not that old either he hasn't been yeah. there for a lot of jojo's life and yeah, jojo yeah. actively distrusts him yeah like, we so know that. so so now that jojo all of a sudden has his dad back and is seeing visions that's going to be a huge thing for him that's going to change a lot uh, of how he experiences the back half of the trip. So uh, I think that'll be pr- pretty interesting and exciting to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mimic a lot of what you guys said. Uh, I I agree with you, Danny. I think that uh, Leone's, her visions of Given feel kind of forced and also feel like maybe they're just built out of some kind of guilt. Yeah. Um, like Leone doesn't have any... So far that we know, I don't think, doesn't have any reason to feel guilty for um, Given's death. Like, she wasn't there. But every time he pops up, that's what I think of, is that she feels guilty about something. Um, And maybe he's just, like, her conscious saying, like, you're doing bad things. Um, But I'm super interested to see how that'll play out, um, because I liked Given every time we saw him, even though he, he... didn't do that much like he talked a little bit and mostly just sort of gestured um and Richie I feel the same way I think that'll be really interesting I love magical realism and I love ghosts and everything to do with it so I'm very I love me a ghostly edition I love a ghostly edition uh so I'm super excited to see how that'll play out um yeah I don't know I mimic your thoughts Nice. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. This is good. Good pick, James. Talk about nice. ghostly edition. Just Danny not being in this room right now. <laughs> I am the ghostly edition of this podcast. Oh, man. It's been uh, definitely weird not having you in the room, but for all the... I hate it. For all of the, all the listeners at home, we put the computer with Danny FaceTiming in the same chair she normally sits in. So. I, I have the exact same view. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. I, it's, uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling uh, as close to you guys as as uh, <laughs> is allowed by the CDC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So definitely, uh, if anybody joined us during this time of quarantine, we oh, hope. Oh yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Read, read the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless they're they're see- or listening to this way later, but. Uh, you know, we're hoping if you listen to this during this time of self-isolation and quarantine that we uh, brought a little distraction to your day. And uh, it's looking like we'll be repeating this same setup for next episode, too. Um, yeah, unclear. Which, yeah. you know, it might be in like two days because I'm going to finish this very quickly. Just rip through. I have nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
there's really not i mean we have so much time on our hands even with work yeah so, so uh we'll probably be back in the setup it's gonna be another quarantine with books yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're, we're glad, uh, this worked out. Hopefully we'll be ending this in just a second and check and make sure this episode recorded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we will, uh, catch you next time. Anybody want to scat us out? I think it's your turn, Brian. Is it me? Brian, it's your turn to scat up for sure. Wow. Danny loved that. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Nice. <laughs> that was so funky. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>